This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From our virtual studios in the Netherlands and Camarillo, California, we have the greatest podcast episode that we have ever delivered about to happen right now because it's with your amazing hosts, Andro Sturgeon and Justin Womack. That's right. Coming right into your ear holes from around the world. Once again, it is time for the Marketing Geeks. Perhaps the top five marketing shows that you've probably heard this is it it is the number one the number one show that you are listening to right now the number one thank you so much to our seven listeners for joining us once again the marketing geeks we have a fabulous show lined up for you incredible we're going to go over some tips and tricks some techniques Stuff that will blow your mind. And best of all, yes, part six, the thrilling, thrilling conclusion of the Influence Pattern series with the Marketing Geeks live. Hello, everybody. We are back. It is the Marketing Geeks radio program on the Internet. Does anybody even listen to internet anymore or radio? Do they? Is that a th- is, is radio a thing? It exists as a thing. It is a legacy. In, in uh, technology terms, they call it a legacy medium, meaning it's being retired slowly. But there, there's an audience for radio still. It's it's a thing. My um, my niece uh, once asked me. She, I said, okay, I'm going to hang up the phone. And she goes, why? Why do you guys say hang up the phone? And I felt very old. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch an old movie yeah. and you'll learn. You'll learn from old, learn. way back in the 90s, or maybe even the early 2000s when they still had landlines. That's right. <laughs> we have quite a show lined up for you. First of all, we are concluding our six park series in influence marketing. You want to talk a little bit about that, uh, Mr. Womack? All right, we're going to make it brief because I've recapped this on all the other ones. But uh, this is part six of the Influence Pattern Series. Today, we're going to talk about consistency and micro-commitments, essentially. And uh, But this is part six, so we've had five parts before it. So the other five that we've covered so far were authority building. We did a whole section on authority building. Go back five episodes ago to go catch that one. We did reciprocity, scarcity, and uh, two others, which I will tell you in a second. We did liking, and we did any any day now, any day. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's coming. It's coming. It's yes. coming. We did yes. consensus. Social proof. Social proof. See, you know, my memory doesn't click as fast as it used to, so I have to think about things for a minute. <laughs> well, 
You know, there's three things that you lose when you get older. And uh, one of them is your memory. The other one is your looks. And I don't remember the third one. That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So uh, before we get into that, we have some uh, interesting marketing news, uh, uh, stuff that uh, we've discovered along the way, finding the news so you don't have to do it yourself. But, uh, you know, the holiday season is coming up. If, uh, if you don't have your Black Friday sale ready to go in the pipeline, you're probably already uh, – you know, too late. But uh, did you know, <laughs> did you know, so so uh, there's no Amazon here in the Netherlands. You know what we have? What do you have, Walmart? No, we have bull.com, B-O-L. And, uh, and a lot of people shop there. And you know where else they shop here in the, uh, in the EU? McDonald's. Uh, close. Alibaba Express. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who don't know, Alibaba is uh, the Amazon of Asia. Uh, but, uh, but here's the thing. Uh, they have once a year something called Singles Day. It's like their version of Black Friday that they uh, – that, that is only – for that particular platform, it, it was only invented for that particular platform, and now it becomes a national uh, kind of holiday where where it's like their Black Friday. And Singles Day happens on 11-11. Get it? The ones, right? Uh, and it's, uh, it's a Chinese-based company called Alibaba, for those of you who don't know. And uh, this year, sales brought in $30 billion in one day. <laughs> $30 well, billion. Dollars I mean, how many people day? are in China right now? So China is like a, like five or 10. Five or, five or 10 people. Five years ago or so, it was at 1 billion. Yeah. There's, there was 1 billion there like five years ago. I, don't, I mean, I'm sure it's above a billion right now. The population of China is much bigger than the United States. So that's a bigger market. All of them walking, talking, pockets full of cash. That's that's right. I wouldn't say all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Should tap into that market. Uh, but uh, so that's the marketer in me talking. <laughs> but it, it's kind of interesting because you know you have this. You have basically Amazon, which has dominated retail uh, in the states, and Alibaba, which has dominated retail in Asia, um, and you know these are these are numbers that are. Uh, absolutely insane when you really think about it, because uh, the the type of market capital is like the, these are are what the GDP of like some small nations. So let me let me I, I got some stats here, so I just looked them up. So one point three eight six billion in China as of twenty seventeen. So that's last year, even one point three eight six. So a significant amount uh, compared to the United States at three hundred and twenty five point seven million. So we are uh, they have a billion more people than us. So we wow. are we are a billion people behind. So from a market share standpoint, it's much much bigger. And I'm pretty sure in China is Amazon allowed in China because Google um, has made a special uh, China product. But is Amazon? I mean, do they have the option of shopping on Amazon in China, or is it only Alibaba? I, I think it's just Alibaba, and uh, so it's it's you know it, it, I, I I would love to talk if anybody out there knows about like marketing uh, on Alibaba and what that goes into that uh, I would love to hear from you and we would we'll put you on our show and and do a little uh, interview with you but I think it's worth investigating um, anyway kind of interesting because he just had it and uh, thirty billion dollars in one day pretty incredible. 
one day. Uh, here's a, another little interesting bit of news. Facebook is testing augmented reality ads in their news feed. So uh, the, uh, this is from Mashable. Uh, which is a great website if you ever uh, want to find some really interesting news. But they're uh, what they're doing is they're basically uh, using a uh, like you have the augmented reality. For those of you who don't know what augmented reality is, it puts a layer of information over your information. The best way to describe it is if you use Facebook and you get the little emoji faces that you can put on your face. Uh, that's augmented reality. So now they're doing something where you can pair of sunglasses, for instance, and you can actually try the sunglasses on with different colors, see what they look like on your face in an augmented reality. Mm. Uh, and then you can just hit buy and buy those sunglasses if you like them. So you can try. That's interesting. I remember reading, uh, I remember reading about them testing this technology about, about a year ago, uh, as well as the, I know they're working on, uh, trying on clothing items where they'll actually, kind of be able to simulate what they'll look like on your body type. Yeah. So it's it's pretty incredible what is coming down the pipeline with this augmented reality. So this will be the first generation which it'll so if you're uh it'll probably be the cheapest point ever to get in on this particular type of ads on Facebook. Right. Uh but it's also going to take a little bit of a tech background to figure it out at least in the beginning because there won't be any digital courses available quite yet. Right. And so, you know, this is just something to think about as marketers is that you have, you know, it's not only multi-channel, it's also multi-tech at this point because you've really got to think about how your uh how you've got to like capture this. If you have some sort of uh product or service, can you use this type of technology to leverage your brand? And because right now, you're absolutely right, this is kind of a niche thing, uh, you, you can use this to your advantage because not a lot of people are doing it at this point. And that won't be the case in the next few months. So uh, very interesting that you could do this. I would have no idea how to set this up, but I, I'm willing to learn. Yeah. You know. It's, uh, it's very, very interesting. Anyway, so uh, – and then finally – uh, Facebook is uh, they have a, they've dropped a teen focused viral clips app called Lasso. Uh, so Facebook is seeing a steady decline in usage among teens. So in order to get that market share back, they've released a new viral clips app by the name of Lasso. Uh, it's uh, it makes you feel like uh, like almost like a video game. Uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's basically their version of TikTok and TikTok used to be musically. So, uh, the app is available on, uh, Google play and iOS. And basically, you know, it, it almost feels to me like this is the type of thing that they're like, Hey, how can we talk to the kids? You know, <laughs> how can we market better to them? <laughs> right. You, you know, let's put a team of a hundred developers on this thing and we'll pump it out in a week. You know, it's, it's the good old Facebook trying to reach the teen market. It won't work. Who knows? I mean, like, yeah. you know, Facebook, yeah. for God's sakes, I've, I've had to, uh, you know, and it's, it's kind of interesting cause I, 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 you know, I'm such a big fan of Facebook and I'm doing some consulting work for a, uh, a large company right now, a beauty brand. And, uh, I, one of the things that I did as soon as they hired me was I looked at all their uh, Facebook ads and I, I saw like how they were performing and they hadn't in the past 
since the beginning of this quarter, they have not had one conversion, not one conversion on any of their Facebook ads. They've spent close to five grand on their Facebook ads, not one conversion. So I went in and I, uh, I, I retargeted some of the demographics within their ads simply uh, by looking at who was buying their products and focusing on the hot areas that they were selling the most of their products. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, the, the ad started working again. So, um, you know, the, the, the Facebook ads do work. And, you know, you can create your Facebook ads through uh, Instagram. And then, you, you, you know, of course, Instagram ads and Instagram story ads uh, can help drive brands, especially if you're a visual brand like a beauty product. Uh, and uh, believe it or not, we are actually doing something that can help you with this very subject. Do you know what it is, my friend? I, I have heard about it, but why don't you tell us? We are running an absolutely free, to our seven listeners, we are, listen, we are running a free uh, webinar on Instagram marketing. And if you are interested in knowing how to do some Instagram marketing, how to sell on marketing, how to get followers, we are running a free webinar for you. So uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you are interested in doing that, we have a link in the bottom of our description. You can sign up for this particular uh, webinar. It's absolutely free to our seven listeners because we want to, it's, it's, you know, Instagram marketing definitely is very powerful, but you got to know how to do it right. And if you don't know how to do it right, you're going to, you, you'll, you'll drop some balls. So, um, yeah, with that, uh, why don't we get into, well, before we, uh, before we do that, I just wanted to share just a couple stories that I just yeah. kind of found online real quick here. So, um, Netflix, Netflix execs are talking about plans to boost international growth by dropping the subscription prices in certain countries. So based on the per capita income in certain countries, they're going to be dropping subscription rates, which is kind of interesting on how they can grow internationally. So uh, I, I just thought that yeah. was kind of interesting, creative. And is there backlash to that? I, I think that's totally fine. Um, are there any legal ramifications? I have no idea. Well, my guess is that what they're going to do is they're going to probably show more localized content and some of the uh, rights to, to the more expensive pieces of content they're not going to uh, have as much. But, you know, it's, it's, it's one of these things. Would you rather be the guy who sells a yacht once a year or would you rather be the chewing gum salesman? You know what I'm saying? Like where you're, yeah. It's it's if you can get if your your product into the hands of a you lot, you sell one unit and make a lot of money, or sell ten million and make the same amount of money. <laughs> well, uh, probably more. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the going rate for chewing gum wrappers is these days. But <laughs> you know, maybe it's big business. Uh, one other story. This is uh, into this is getting into a lot of businesses right now. But uh, Airbnb and eBay are ending their forced arbitration policy for sexual harassment claims. I just think this is interesting. Oh, interesting. This is all over the all over the news at a couple different companies. I think Google was exploring this as well. So essentially, they are ending where they would force you into their arbitration system. So I mean, it's it's progress so that it, you know they're taking these claims more seriously. I think is what it means. They're not going to force you to work with their lawyers and their team. Uh, so that, I think that's positive progress. Any thoughts? 
I think that is uh, positive progress. You know, I, I, the, the whole four-star arbitration thing is just uh, – it's kind of ridiculous because basically the way that works is that you, you in order for you to work at a company – and I, I had to do this when I was working for one of the most uh, popular companies in America who will remain nameless, nameless but – uh, their name rhymes with Comcast. Uh, I, I had to uh, sign one of these agreements where basically it said that if they screwed me over, I was not allowed to do anything but go into forced arbitration, which is basically a trial where I go into a room with their lawyers and they tell me what's going to happen. And so uh, I could bring my own lawyer, but it doesn't do any good. So it, it I, I think that that, you know, things like, you know, these ridiculous in, uh, NDAs and forced arbitration, it's not good for business. I, re- I really don't think so. And and I, I think it's created a toxic environment for the business community on some level. Yeah. So I think it is good from a, yeah. from a cultural standpoint. I think it's a, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I, uh, I want to hear about our, six part of our six part series. This is, this is the final part, right? You do. You really do. You really want to hear it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. Take it away. All right. (laughs) So, uh, welcome to part six of the influence pattern secrets by, uh, these are from the book influence by Robert Cialdini. Today we are talking about consistency and commitments. So in this in this section, we're talking about consistency and commitments. It's the idea here is that people like to be consistent with the things that they've previously said or done. So if you get someone to orally commit to something, even if it's like a micro commitment, like a small initial commitment, they're more likely to take the next step. And so consistency is is activated by this process. And in a uh, in a study featured in the book Influence, the researchers did this experiment where they they took a few people and they asked them if they were willing to put up a wooden board on their front lawns that had the ad slogan to drive safely uh, on their um, so in this neighborhood. They went door to door. They asked residents to put up this drive safely sign. It was kind of an unsightly sign. And, uh, and, and not a lot of people agreed to do it. However, in a similar neighborhood that was close by, they were able to get four times as many homeowners to agree to put up the unsightly board. But the reason that they were able to do this is because 10 days prior to making this ask, they had, uh, they had gotten those homeowners to agree to place a small postcard in the front window of their homes that signaled their support for the Drive Safely campaign. So by placing that small card in their um, in their windows, that initial commitment actually raised their conversion by 400% when they came back later asking them to put up the, the unsightly big sign on their front lawn. And the reason is because they wanted to be consistent with their initial decision that they made. So if you are if you want to take this and apply this in a more general way, um, when you're seeking to influence using this consistency principle, you can look for voluntary, active, and public commitments or micro-commitments from people, and you want to get those either uh, out loud or especially if you can get them in writing. So one one other story from the book, real quick, Andros, I just want to give one other story, is that they, uh, in a doctor's office, they were able to reduce missed appointments 
by 18% by simply asking patients, not the staff, so not the attendant or, or the uh, secretary at the at the window, but the uh, but the patient themselves to write down the appointment details on their appointment card. So when they handed them an appointment card, they would give them a blank card and they would ask the patient to write down the appointment details. And they found that they were able to decrease uh, the no-shows significantly. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, this is this is actually um, it, it, whenever I'm talking to like a potential client, for instance, uh, one of the first things that I do is I uh, get them to commit to something small, right? Uh, even if it's just like, "Hey, would you be willing to, uh, you know, take a look at this?" or "Would you be willing to?" Uh, you know, like I'll send them a proposal and I'll, I'll have a little thing at the end where they have to initial it. So, so something where you make a minor commitment, this also goes in line. And this is one thing that, uh, Facebook marketing is actually, um, really good at where you can get people to commit to a like first. And once they like something, then you can kind of, uh, retarget them and get them to buy in on other things, uh, later. And um, so let me let me add a few elements here, and then I want to I want to kind of go um, give you some more examples on how that kind of ties into what you just said there. But uh, so behavioral consistency acts at both the individual and the social level. And Robert Cialdini states in the book that uh, so once we've made a choice or we've taken a stand, we will encounter personal and interpersonal pressures to behave consistently with that commitment. So those pressures will cause us to respond in ways that justify our earlier decisions, right? So we talked about this on a previous show, but the idea of like in sales, like a yes ladder, yeah, where you're asking you're asking small, easy to answer questions where you're going to get somebody to say yes like five times. Mm-hmm. And what happens with that is you get them to say yes five times. They're they're uh, being consistent, and then when you ask them to say you ask them a question more in line with your sales offer, they're more likely to say yes because they said yes to the other questions. I've seen this also used in a sales conversation where you get someone to commit. Um, you ask them what their biggest problem is, and they give you an answer, and you say, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, how committed are you to solving that biggest problem? Uh, well, you want to get them to a level 10. So in the conversation, you use a few tactics to, until they tell you that they're committed to a level 10 of changing their biggest problem. And then when you make your offer at the end and they, and they tell you that uh, they want to think about it or something like that, you're like, wait a minute. You just told me you're committed at a level 10 to solving this problem. And I'm giving you the solution to do this. So what's uh, what's holding you back? And using those kind of tactics, those um, again, you're taking their their words earlier, and you're using them to uh, you're using their micro commitment by saying they were at a level ten to solving their problem in the sales conversation. That's a uh, that's a way of using this in in live action, right? Mm-hmm. So other other uh, yeah, other quick quick examples, um, free samples. Give someone a free sample; they can try something out. It's a that's a minor commitment, but they've accepted the free sample. Part of that also gets into like the idea of reciprocity. You gave them a free sample; they want to give something back. They're more likely to buy. Um, or just a, any sort of a, if if you charge someone, uh, you see this on online funnels a lot. You'll see that they'll have a You'll sign up for an email list. You'll take the lead magnet. And on the thank you page, you'll get what's called an OTO or one-time offer or something cheap. They call this a tripwire in marketing, which is a little bit uh, of a funny term, but a tripwire, where they give you a low-cost entry-level offer to basically transition you from being a prospect into a customer. 
Uh, because the idea here is that when even if you charge someone a dollar for this tripwire or $7 or $14, the idea is that once you transition the relationship from prospect to customer, that there's a, a change in that relationship. And the fact that they made that commitment to spending money with you, and plus their credit card will be on file now, which is also consistent, or they made that commitment, uh, it's going to be much easier to sell them other products down the line. Right. So these are the kind of things that all tie in. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, so let's put this in practice. So let's say, um, you know, you and I have done some public speaking and we sold some stuff from the stage. So, so how would this, how would this work? Like, let's break this down into three different kind of components. Like how would this work, uh, from a sales perspective, a, uh, advertising perspective and a, like a more of a marketing perspective? Well, Sales number one, I, I believe it's in the conversations. So it's in the actual sales conversation where we're we're asking questions that we can get simple commitments for. So that could be either the yes ladder questions that we talked about, or it could be getting them to give their commitment to making a change and then using that, basically referencing that again if they if they come back with resistance and give rebuttals. Um, or give objections. I mean, we want to rebut the objections with the fact that, wait a minute, you just told me that you're committed at this level to solving your problem. I have the solution for you. What's really stopping you? And when you, when you use language like that, it, it makes it, it makes it uncomfortable because people don't like to break from what they just said. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the sales standpoint to me in marketing. To me, it's, it's the idea of using it in like a funnel. Like I mentioned, like, most funnels in advertising, you're going to see, um, you're going to see an advertisement. The advertisement is going to give something away for free of value. So I, I believe that the most effective um, online advertisements don't go directly for the sale, but they instead go directly for giving value first. And so again, we've talked about the idea of a lead magnet. They will give you something for free. So that could be a PDF, like a free report. That could be a a checklist, a top 10 document. It could be a video training. It could be a webinar, whatever it is, you give something away for free. They make that first micro commitment. Um, then you make the ask for a small financial commitment of $1 to let's say $14. I mean, that's, uh, it can go even bigger than that, probably up to about $30. You make that small ask of this, uh, they call this a tripwire, at least uh, a lot of the digital marketers do in, in marketing. And you transition them from prospect to customer. So in marketing and advertising, that's how I would say it applies in that capacity. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's basically it. And then if you're doing an offer from the stage, I would also say that the fact that you have people that have committed to attending a seminar for two to three days, that also plays into it. They've committed their time and their energy to a two or three day seminar. You make an offer from the stage. That's also going to play into it because, you know, you showed up here you put this out. Uh, you showed us that you have a problem that you wanted to solve. You put your time and energy into here. We gave you a lot of value already. Now let's take it to the next level. Let's really solve your problem with this high-end program. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, I, I think, I think, I mean, you know, I've used all of these techniques from time to time and, and especially when I'm consulting with, uh, you know, my, my clients, I always kind of bring in, these are some of the things that, that you need to do. Scarcity is a big one uh, and, and reciprocity, but, uh, but there are, uh, and, and you could apply these in pretty much anything, especially if you're doing social media campaigns, building landing pages, anything like that. 
there's definitely a way to create these uh, these mechanisms to drive sales and and get your message across. And uh, you know, so anything else you want to add regarding this uh, this subject? Because it was it, it was really fascinating. If you haven't heard the other parts please go back and listen to it because it was really uh, this was pretty amazing going through all of these step by step. And I'll put a link to the book too. So this all comes again from the book called influence by Robert Cialdini. Um, It's a great book and I will have a link for the book as well. If you want to get the full details and not just the uh, cliff notes version, but if you don't like to read the book, that's what we're here for too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, no, I, I don't really have a ton more to add here. I mean, again, it's, it's it's taking this in a in a piecemeal uh, or piecemeal structure. We want to get people to, you know, make small commitments first before making a big ass. So the metaphor that's often used in marketing is the idea of you have to go on a few dates before you ask someone to marry you. If you were to go to a bar and ask someone to marry you before you've even asked for their name, uh, the odds are that I would I would. I would hope that 100% of people would say no, but, you know, it's going to be a very, very, very finite amount of people that would ever consider that proposal. So um, you have to you have to put in the micro commitments and the, the small stakes work first before you can develop the relationship and go in for the bigger sale. That's great. But you, but you know who never says no. I do. I do know who never says no. <laughs> That's right. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is time once again for the sex robot report oh i can't wait to hear it every week we bring you can't wait to hear what's happening give me horn oh yeah we bring you the top sex robot news in the world no (laughs) one brings it like we do we know Uh, you're you're reading these stories on your own but we bring them to you anyway that's right (laughs) that's right i um this uh, this is an interesting story. Uh, a guy in Japan, thirty five year old. This is from the uh, Inquisitor dot com. Wait, wait, what's it? What's his name? Does he have an awesome name or not? Uh, he could. I don't know. My Japanese is a little rusty. Thir- oh, so it's no, it's no brick, it's no brick doll banger, huh? It's 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 no brick doll banger, that's for sure. But uh, you know, uh, but he's a thirty five year old Japanese man named Ashikoko Kondo. That's that's an all right name. Not bad. Considers himself, yeah, considers himself married to a virtual reality three D hologram. The character is called Hatsune uh, Miku. However, he feels that the hologram that, quote, lives in his $2,800 capsule-shaped desktop device at home is the specific one that he's wedded to. And uh, his marriage is not legally acknowledged and admits that uh, for mother, it wasn't something to celebrate. I, I could imagine. So, I'm sorry, he's married to a, a hologram? He is. He claims to be married to a hologram. But he also has a doll of her that he used for the wedding ceremony. And the doll wears a <laughs> wedding ring on its wrist. On its wrist. A wedding ring on its wrist. I don't know if that's... Is it a doll or a robot, though? Is it a doll or a robot? I, it, just says, it just says a doll. I'm just, I'm just trying to think. It's either a very big wedding ring or a very tiny doll. Um, and it sleeps next to him, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he considers himself an ordinary married man 
And Miku reportedly does what he would expect any wife to do, which is uh, she wakes him up and sends him off to work and gets the house ready for him before he returns. And uh, Miku also tells him when it's time to go to sleep. And the best perk of all for Kondo is that the two-dimensional characters can't cheat, age, or die. So she's like a, a Fitbit and an alarm clock also? With, uh, I guess, a Fitbit with benefits? I, 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 don't, I don't know, but you know what? Uh, good for them. I mean, you know what? Yeah, good for yeah. congratulations. So we, we I guess congratulations so. In order. My, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, here's, here's to the happy couple. And with that, we conclude. <laughs> oh, God. I, I have nothing else to add to that. <laughs> that was just too good of a story. Boy. So once again, Sex Robot Report. Next week, we will bring you more from the latest uh, of Sex Robot. <laughs> Oh yeah. So I think it, I think it's time to transition to geek news. Oh, sad day in geek news today. We just found out a few hours ago. In fact, you just WhatsApp me. Man, Stanley has finally shed his mortal coil and gone to the great Avengers assemblance in the sky. It's sad. He's been snapped up. He was 95, 95 years old. 95 years old. That was a good run, man. You got to say like to, to like end your life with like, you know, Avengers, you know, it's like he's, he probably saw like the, the, the last Avengers movie, uh, which may not have a trailer. So I understand, but, uh, but you know what? Good, good for him. I mean, it, it, like he was, uh, he was really, uh, he really brought something, but here's, what's really interesting. You know, that, uh, the Marvel, corporation like almost went out of business right so um i don't know if you know this but in order to keep the rights of some of the movies uh specifically fantastic four they had to make a uh, fantastic four movie in order to just keep the rights right and that was fox though that was fox yeah and so so uh but back in the 80s uh, they hired Roger Corman to make a Fantastic Four film. And if you don't know Roger Corman, he, he was... It was the, the early 90s. It was the early 90s. Yeah. Was it the early 90s? <laughs> I do know Roger Corman. Yeah, yeah it was. I, I actually worked for Roger Corman for a short time. And um, what Roger Corman would do is he would uh, see that Jurassic Park was coming out. And right when Jurassic Park was coming out, he would do something like he would say uh, – he'd make a movie called uh, uh, Ju- uh, Jurassic uh, <laughs> Jurassic Playground or something like that. And it would be like the cheapest low-budget knockoff. Like he'd make these movies for like 50 cents. And his philosophy was at the end of the day when you went to your Blockbuster video store – there would be Jurassic Park and sitting right next to it would be Jurassic Playground. And he would <laughs> and, and some poor mom would grab the wrong one. <laughs> or somebody who's already seen Jurassic Park ten times, like, I don't know what this is, I'll grab it. And he'd make sure he'd have a, a cool box cover. But uh, the movies were always like just wrecking balls. And 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 as they used to say in in uh, Roger Corman's uh, little sphere, if you worked for Corman, you were either on your way up or on your way down. So 
you know, that's where a lot of filmmakers got their start. And that's where Eric Roberts ended up like getting his uh, next mail from. Yeah, so, and, if, and just for our listeners, if you don't quite know the history of Stan Lee, he is one of the co-creators of many, many of the Marvel characters. Some of his uh, creations include uh, Spider-Man, the Avengers, the X-Men, Daredevil, the Black Panther, the Fantastic Four, the Incredible Hulk, part of the Avengers, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, and many more. So he well, was, he, he wasn't uh, quite the creator. He was he was more the co-creator. Uh, yeah co-creator. Yeah, and uh, and so he was he he was uh, he basically. I mean, if there was no Stan Lee, uh, we wouldn't have Howard the Duck. So let's That's so know, true. give it up. I forgot about yeah. Howard the Duck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so here's the stand you, Stan Lee. Thank you for your years of service, and uh, you will be sorely missed. Now, the question I have is this, and this is this is what I want to know. Uh, Stan Lee has been in every single Marvel movie with a cameo. Every single Marvel movie, he plays he plays a small uh, little role. Uh, I'm sure at at some point they probably digitized him, right? <laughs> So, Probably. so, so the the question is: Is he? Are they going to digitally reanimate Stan Lee to do a cameo in all future Marvel films? Well, I would say that Avengers Four and Spider Man, whatever it's called, Spider Man Homecoming Two, Far From Home, Spider Man Far From Home, um, those movies have both wrapped filming before he died. So, if I would imagine that if he depending on his health, that he was able to do a cameo for those, at least record audio for them. So yeah. I would imagine he'll show up in those two movies. So the question is, going forward after Spider-Man Far From Home, will they digit- will they re-digitize him? I think he would have given his permission for that. It's just a matter of... Oh, uh, I, I, yeah. yeah, I think, I think you know what? I, I, if I were Stan Lee, I'd be like, yes, every... Like, you got to immortalize the guy. I, I, I have a feeling that they're going to continue that whole thing because you know the the uh, the next marvel movie to come out is of course uh captain marvel oh captain marvel i forgot about that one yeah starring a uh, digitally de-aged samuel l jackson and uh and if you haven't seen the preview go watch it it's incredible how they de-aged that guy but here's here's something interesting also about the whole marvel sort of thing um you know because they uh uh, the the next adventure film, which doesn't even have a title, is going to be out in uh, in less than a year, May or April. Yeah, April or May next yeah. year. Yeah, and they say that they may not even cut a trailer for it. I don't think they need to. I, I think they should just do like a logo. They should just do a teaser trailer with a logo, nothing else, no footage. But but it's 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 a. I mean, it, it's a pretty incredible type of marketing where that they have have set up. I mean, not too many brands can do this sort of thing, but basically, the whole marketing is not marketing, right? That is the marketing campaign. So every little rumor, every little like, if you look on uh, like some of the Reddit boards right now, you'll see uh, there's been a quote leaked picture of the Avengers with uh, with with uh, some of the. Uh, the suits on that they the uh, you know that oh, yes. the, he had in Ant Man. Have you seen mm-hmm. the, Have you seen this? I, I, I saw this online. Yeah, yeah. The quantum quantum realm suits that the Avengers would have. And the, the thing that's brilliant about this is like they could have released this just as a joke. 
nobody knows if this if this is actually going to be a plot point in the in the movie. But the fact that people are talking about this and doing this sort of uh, you know uh, viral marketing around just any little bit of information that alone is its own sort of. Uh, marketing. So, so really, you know, and this goes along the lines with all social marketing that you do, any type of social marketing that you do, it has to be worth talking about, right? So before you post anything, you got to think, is this worth talking about? So I love the fact that they're releasing these things because it's definitely worth talking about. We're talking about it right now. Well, I'm talking about it right now, but, uh, but I, 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 I like the idea of doing a whole advertising campaign by not advertising. I think it's, yeah. it's kind of, no, I, I like that too. And, um, so a couple other stories this week, uh, this is a, a repeat of last week, but they put out a poster for the Deadpool PG 13 movie with Deadpool and Fred Savage writing Rudolph the red nosed reindeer. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. That's the story of that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got. No, well, that's, that's the ultimate, the ultimate shameless cash grab. I just can't get over the fact that they're actually doing this. And my, no, my other story though, is, uh, Jason Muse has said that Jay and Silent Bob, the sequel, which I think they're actually calling Jay and Silent Bob reboot or something like that. Um, <laughs> it is planning to start shooting in February. So uh, huh. apparently they did some rewrites because uh, because Kevin Smith lost a bunch of weight following his heart attack and going on um, Penn Jillette's potato fasting diet. So uh, I think part it starts with a potato fast and then it did some other things, but he lost a ton of weight doing Penn Jillette's diet. And so he's rewritten the script. Uh, they're going to reboot Jay and Silent Bob. They will start filming in February and we'll probably be seeing it late 2019, early 2020. So mark your calendars. Mm. Uh, <laughs> what what is it? Do you just do you just eat like nothing but potatoes until you're so tired of it that you just don't want to eat any <laughs> potatoes anymore? They, I, I actually not uh, anything. Just, when I first heard about it, I thought it was kind of interesting, so I looked into it a little bit. And yeah, you have to. So it's 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 unlimited potatoes for like 30 days, I think it was, and you you have to boil them. You have to be boiled um, or cooked. You can't add anything to them. So like no butter, no seasoning, no nothing. So it's funny because uh, Kevin Smith was like, oh, that sounds like awesome. I could totally eat potatoes for you know 30 days. And he's like, after like day three, he's like, I guess I don't like potatoes as much as I thought I did. I think it's the butter and the sour cream. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, uh, but, but apparently oh, it works. Geez. So who knew? Uh, who knew that potatoes were so, potatoes are so amazing for you? Who knew? They're interesting. Well, yeah, who knew? But um uh, other news, uh, Willem Dafoe is going to be playing Vincent Van Gogh. Isn't that interesting? He seems like a guy that would slice his ear off. He definitely seems like a guy who would slice his ear off. Vincent Van Gogh, a little, uh, he, he, he spent a couple of years in a small town called Noonan, which is not too far from me. And uh, you could actually go to some of the fields where he painted his sunflowers. Huh. So uh, when, you, when you come out here to visit me, I will uh, take you on the – the Vincent Van Gogh tour. All right, we got. Uh, actually, I found a couple more stories here. We got uh, two kids' movies mm-hmm. that released trailers this week. Uh, Detective Pikachu, starring Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds of the um, of the PG thirteen Deadpool fame, of course. And then we have Toy Story four released their teaser trailer as well. Of course, um, I haven't even watched it, but I mean, I'm sure it'll make a ton of money because it's Disney and it's Toy Story characters, and the IP yeah. is very valuable. So they got that. Uh, and the story here is that the uh, speaking of reboots, because that's all there are these days, 
Child's Play, the living Chucky doll that haunts your dreams, is getting a reboot starring Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, that's necessary. We need one of those. <laughs> I know, because like, you know, Child's Play, Bride of Chucky, the son of Chucky, and I don't know how many of there's like seven or eight of the original. So we need to reboot. We need to reboot it. And then we can sell more toys. <laughs> I, I once had dinner with John Carpenter and um, uh, we were we were discussing uh, Halloween and he said to me, uh, you know, I really want to apologize for all the Halloween movies that have been made over the years. However, I, I can't really help it because every time they say we're going to do another one of these, they write me a very large check. So <laughs> he's like, I like the money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, you know what? He's a capitalist. That's, that's uh, no doubt about that. <laughs> so ch- the child's play reboot has a date June 21st, 2019. So again, get those calendars out again. You got, uh, you got Jay and Silent Bob, the reboot child's play, the reboot. And I'm sure there's plenty more reboots coming your way. Yeah. Well, you know, what's going to never be reboot is this show because it's perfect the way it is. And with that, we wrap up another exciting episode of The Marketing Geeks. Don't forget, everybody, hit the link below in the description. We're going to do a free, absolutely no cost to you webinar on Instagram marketing. Tell you what you need to know to get followers, sell your products online and use it to your advantage and you have to be there live you have to be there live if you're not there live though you can get the recording only if you are a donor to the show so if you agree to donate up to five dollars a month we will get your recordings to not only that webinar but all the webinars that the marketing geeks put out each and every month and you will be able to tell your family during thanksgiving that you are a donor to the show that is creating the most compelling conversations at the thanksgiving dinner table That's right. Conversations that will not get you yelled at by your uncle. Conversations that will elevate your status among the dressing and this Thanksgiving turkey. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, from the Netherlands, from Camarillo, Camarillo, California, California, good night, good luck. Most of all, stay classy.